Let's make a dial tone together. <laughs> I just want to talk about the fruit flies right now. Oh, I feel like my room is the only fruit fly haven in this entire Okay, there are more fruit flies here than human. <laughs> That's a pretty low fucking bar, Kate. No, but like, think of the mass of humans. Yeah. There are more fruit flies than take up the mass of humans. That's what I mean. Okay, I don't know if it's that. <laughs> Many. Have you seen? So there's no pleasing you. <laughs> Welcome to that showbiz, baby. Hi, I'm your host, Megan Biggs. Hi, Megan Biggs. No, I'm Kate. Stop. I just I wanted you <laughs> to tell me to stop, and I'm appalled that you didn't. <laughs> you know me. I join in. <laughs> I was trying to do like a Danny Tanner and Becky, uh, Uncle Jesse's wife thing. Oh, because you know they had that show, Good Morning San Francisco. Yeah, and I thought it would be cool if we could be like them. But then I realized that I would have to be Danny Tanner, and I cannot do that. That's true. I cannot do that. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. But I won't do that. Welcome to our first episode. Today we're going to talk about a lot of things. And the first thing we're going to talk about is why why are we doing this? I don't know. I don't really know. I think it's because we're both exhibitionists. And I also think it's because I've realized that my story is like kind of low-key insane. So I think we both just wanted to kind of share how we got to where we are now. I think, yeah. I think we both saw this as an opportunity to put something out there that would help our little versions of us. Out there in the world. Yeah. All the little Megans and Kates. Exactly. Thoughts and prayers for them. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers. So we are going to talk about, specifically today, we're going to talk about our deconstruction, reconstruction, construction journeys. Before we get into that, first let's talk about how we met. So, for me. (laughs) Tell me all about it. Oh my gosh. This is a new story that we have never recorded before. (laughs) So, okay. So, my little brother was um, Kevin, was friends with Kate. And I was like, oh, that's cute that Kevin has like friends, friends. He used to hang out with Kate and Megan Ham from our church. And they would like play together and stuff. It was really cute, actually. (laughs) I liked it a lot. (laughs) As an older sister, I approved. But I, you know, it's not like cool to hang out with your little brother's friends. Oh my gosh, side story. I failed Jim Tenty three times. How and why? I just fucking, I don't know. I was very unmotivated to go to gym. I did the quote unquote lazy gym, which actually, like, it was like archery and yoga. That's what I did. And I failed it three times. Keep, keep up. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, I'm in Jim Tenty for the third time. (laughs) Me and Kevin are three years apart. It's a dancing class. We pair up with the boys, Tenti. We're dancing with them, la, 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 And the guy I'm dancing with finds out that my last name is Biggs. And he says, oh, do you know Kevin? And I said, yes, I do. That's my little brother. And he goes, all right, I'm dancing with Kevin's older sister. Anyways, I died inside. Yeah, that is death. And I have never recovered. My gym teacher hated me. And when we did that same dance class, uh, she paired me up with the shortest guy. What? Why? For know. what purpose? And so, like, his face was in my boobs, and oh, his hands were on my butt. That's so awkward in that age, at that age. Yeah, it was pretty awful. That's, oh, trauma. Okay, so Kevin was friends with Kate, and I wasn't friends with her, but, you know, we, we were... We knew of. We knew of each other. Then, in the early 2000s, my 
my OG BFF <laughs> decided that she didn't want to dedicate herself to me in a completely heteronormative way when we would both stay in the same city for the rest of our lives together. I thought that was reasonable, but apparently she didn't. So she, I don't know where she went. She went a bunch of places. She went to Europe and then she was in Tunisia. Long story short, she moved away and I was Grand Prairie by myself. <laughs> okay. And then I, so then Kate and I were just kind of like situationally put together because we were both pretty heavily involved in the church at that time. So we were like youth leaders together and we did this, that, and the other thing together. And often in a situation, we would be the only quote unquote adults. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how we were in that category, but yes. I don't even know how we're in that category now. Okay, fair. Let alone a decade ago. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? So yeah, we were often together. And then I was like, oh, well, I like really like this person. We have like the same, same sense of humor. And then we just started hanging out. And then we did stuff like we would make go over to each other's houses and make music videos. And, <laughs> and then we would make we videos. We would watch a lot of movies yeah. and me- listen to a lot of music and then quote. And that is what the core of our friendship is, <laughs> is quoting stuff. <laughs> and people have no idea what's ta- happening. And we have our own like secret language. Yeah, it's very fun for us. Kate, what was your experience like of the Megan Biggs experience? I mean, it was that, just in reverse. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, I was in the same age group as Kevon, and we hung out at different times, and we went through, like, there was this thing called Adventure Time, which was pre-youth group. Then there was youth group. They made Adventure Time before Adventure Time was made? Like, the cartoon? Yeah. That's so crazy. At least I think it was called Adventure Time. It's called Adventure Time. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, we hung out for a couple years, and then we ended up working together. And I feel like that's where we, like, really blossomed. Yes. Because it was a chaotic job. It was a chaos (laughs) job. But anytime it was was you and me, it was really fun. It was very fun. But I think that also aged us 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. We uh, grew up overnight on that job. Yeah. So we were both raised in the same church, the Grand Prairie Church of Christ. A lot of people, when they start to deconstruct, realize that the church they grew up in wasn't all that great or that it was straight up abusive. So I thought we could talk about how, having gone through all of that, what our feelings towards the Grand Prairie Church of Christ now are. And by that, I mean the iteration of that church that we went to um, from the 90s to the early 2000s. Not how it is currently. We don't really know how it is currently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, feelings about the Grand Prairie Church of Christ in the 90s. But before we get into those feelings, let's take a second to talk about the pastor of our beloved church, Alan Jones. Who is Alan? Um, okay. First of all, just imagine the most British man you've ever met in your life. Times 10. And then cross that with Mr. Rogers. But if Mr. <laughs> Rogers was gross. <laughs> he's not like Mr. Rogers at all. That was a horrible comparison. Yeah, so Alan is just like, he's like very British and kind of has like a bit of a intimidating, austere outside. But he he has a heart of, of mush, of goo, of gentle, loving kindness. He's a very gooey heart. <laughs> I love Alan. I would describe Alan as one of the spiritual giants of my whole life. So there was a sort of like, this is funny to say, but there was sort of like back in the day, there was like a Church of Christ all-stars team. 
It was like Alan, Renas, Tom, Dwight, my mom. <laughs> Shout out to Gail. And so I would say that those men are are the men that shaped how I interact with Christianity even today. The funny thing is, I now have gone like a little bit or a lot left of their theology, with the exception of Renas. But I would say that it's kind of their fault that I have gone as left as I have. <laughs> Because I feel like the lesson was, the assignment was never to like accept all of this without question. Mm. It was more that you should ask questions, you should think for yourself. And <laughs> essentially what Alan taught me, though he would hate it that I would say, <laughs> is that God is a feminist. Alan doesn't like the word feminism because he says whenever we cling to a quote-unquote ism, it replaces Christianity or God or whatever, and then that becomes a new thing that we're worshipping. I forget exactly how he says it, but the bottom line is that he feels like it's misplacing the focus. Whereas I would argue that it is the focus. <laughs> so, it, like, in my mind, if God is love and love is the liberation of the oppressed or the subjugated, that's what love is supposed to look like in action, then by its very definition, Christianity is feminism. But anyway, so I think we, like, there's a bunch of us now who are just, like, either not Christians anymore or not sure about Christianity now. Yeah. I think there was, like, one day when we kind of looked around and went, whoa, this, this can't be it. <laughs> this stifling suppression and joy ruiner can't be God's dream for humanity. I have more respect for God's imagination than that. But the church that we grew up in i have very i have very like good memories fond memories interspersed with some stuff that when i look back on it i'm like that's like a little bit fucked up yeah definitely <laughs> but it wasn't like i wouldn't say it was spiritual trauma by any means i think it was more just like oh that's just kind of how things shook out back then yeah and i didn't yeah, I didn't really think about it. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, that's not exactly great. <laughs> but I would say I was like very valued at that church and I was very loved at that church. And so it's always served as a blueprint for kind of how I am a Christian in the world now, even though it came with its problems. Yeah, no, that's fair. How do you feel about well, the good old CFC? <laughs> when I was in it, I definitely loved it. I remember my like fondest memories have to do with youth group and then music. And in youth group, one of my favorite things that we were always told was it's easier to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. <laughs> and we would do chaotic shit all the time. And, oh, we were pure chaos. There and was, it was so much fun. There was this group of junior high boys when I was in junior high. They used to like smoke pot and the shit out back Oh, I remember taking shots in the friend's car before going into worship practice. It's just like, like we were just being, I think that was like Grand Prairie culture too. Yeah. Like, I don't know that it had anything to do with religion. I think that's just no. how it is to live in Grand Prairie. Exactly. It was just, that was the norm. Yeah. But this yeah. is how we are. Okay. I absolutely loved the chaos. And so I loved like the youth trips, conferences, camps, all of those things where you just get a ton of kids together and it's noisy and yeah. crazy. So we had this bus that was like <laughs> written all over oh, it was such with Black Sharpie and this bus was very unreliable. And so we used to go to these youth conferences called PYPA. We'd go to those twice a year. 
And the bus would always, without fail, <laughs> break down on the way back. And then we'd be like, oh, no, we have to have a day off school because our bus broke down again. That was the best thing ever. <laughs> but then also there was a time where Megan's dad was the driver. Oh, my God. And he would never stop if you had to go I can't. I couldn't believe how weak the rest of you were. <laughs> It was disgusting. <laughs> I was like, because we would drive to Victoria from Grand Prairie every summer, and it would be like, we're stopping twice. That's chaotic. Twice. I know. Ladders don't work like that. <laughs> and then she, so Janelle, my friend, she was like, Megan, your dad is so evil. <laughs> I was like telling him I had to go pee. And then right as we passed by a gas station, he made eye contact with me in the rear view mirror and smiled and kept driving. <laughs> Oh my god. I was yes. like, oh man, if you guys only knew what my <laughs> life has been. Anyways, that was kind of like how our church was. And I think it I think it was like I think it's a lot more like loosey goosey and yeah. inclusive than it maybe currently is. <clears throat> yes. So I don't know. I have good feelings about it. First of all, Kate is not an atheist. Correct. I don't She's, classify myself. She doesn't classify herself as an atheist. She doesn't want a label, just like every guy on Tinder. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sorting, figuring out. I'm okay with floating right now. I consider myself a spiritual person. I definitely believe there is a connection that we as humans have, that nature has, all of that hippy-dippy stuff. But, yeah, I don't classify myself as anything yet. So not Christian, not atheist, not agnostic, just vibing. Just, just vibing. Just vibes, you yeah. guys. <laughs> so there was a point when you were firmly in the I am a Christian camp. Yes. And then what happened? I was in that camp for many years. 30 plus years. 30 plus years. What, what happened to change your mind? So heavily working in the church for most of my life, or not working, but like being involved. There was a time I worked as well. And then my husband at the time and I were very involved with the church plant and we were on the leadership team and just put a ton of hours in there. We eventually decided to move out of the city. It was 2019. And so we kind of just stopped, stopped going to church, stopped any kind of involvement because we were exhausted. And as many of you know, 2020 was an interesting year. A shit storm. And so there was, even if we wanted to get back involved with the church, there wasn't that option. You're worshiping from home, okay? <laughs> Which was interesting because I did start to watch some live streams of different churches, including my own home church. And I think that's kind of where my questioning started. Uh, there's the aspect of being away from a community, and you just start to get an outside look on things. Because when you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, when you're not in it, you look at it very differently. So what were some of the things that you're like, oh, hey, that doesn't really line up as a um, concept for me? Yeah, it was kind of a floodgate, to be honest, of just like, I remember actually I was sitting in my living room watching a live stream and it was just like all of a sudden I didn't feel good. <laughs> and it was just like instantly all feel of feel. these questions <laughs> of just 
Like if God answered prayers, then is there really free will? Is he favoring those who pray more? How is the Bible absolute truth? How can we depend on a book that's been translated millions of times? How can we say that we love and accept all, but we treat the LGBT community and homeless cruelly? (laughs) Yeah. If God is who he says he is and he truly loves, then how can there be final judgment? And the snowball just kept going and going and hasn't stopped, to be honest. (laughs) When will this amusement park <laughs> ride be over? And it was honestly like a lifetime of questions. Because I know I had always had questions. There had always been things that didn't sit right. Like, there's just like, but I didn't have the question at that time. So when you did have questions before then, what did you do with those questions? Were you just like, I'm just not going to think about this? <laughs> there was the, there was sometimes where I would bring them up. And I think probably how they were reacted made it so I didn't bring up questions later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I never mm-hmm. felt like I could just ask a question and it'd be okay for me to think differently or oh, wow. to think outside oh, the box. Yeah, I have, like, that's my whole heritage. My <laughs> spiritual heritage is, like, I don't fucking think so. Yeah. Like, I got a question and I'm going to ask it. No matter, no matter how awkward it makes everyone around me feel, I'm going to ask it. I wish I had more of that. I think I was too much of a people pleaser. I wanted everybody to be happy. And so I would. the only thing that matters is that me, the most important person is having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like a snowball questions. And then you were like, I'm just not going, I'm just not going to be part of this at all parts anymore. Yeah. It was about, I'd say two years of like, this doesn't feel right, but not knowing where I stand in anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that was based in, I was super scared. I was scared to actually say, I don't believe this anymore. Because then who the heck was I? Yeah. My entire life was based on, I am a Christian. Yeah. And so then outside of that, who is Kate? Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, it was actually January 2023. So this year. what have you found out about like who Kate is now when she puts aside the whole of Christianity? I mean, I'm still figuring that out. (laughs) Well, I want an answer, and I want it now. I think just stepping outside of the church also helped me realize that, like, I had never put myself first. It had always been seen as selfish. Yeah. Because, like, you serve other people. And I think, yes, that's true. You should be there for your community, no matter what you believe. But at the same time, I had such a warped view of it that I would do things that were like detrimental to my mental and even physical health because I thought I had to take care of other people. Yeah. So for the first time I'm taking care of me. Yeah. And I'd say that that's just the biggest thing. Uh, Yeah. I have like several friends who, when they go through their like deconversion, deconstruction journey, they're like, that's what they say. Yeah. But it's weird to me because I never struggled. No, (laughs) (laughs) I never like, I never did things for other people or took care of other people because I felt like I had to, mm-hmm. or like that was my job. I did it because I was like, Oh, I like want to take care of this person. Yeah. So you it was did always, it right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> At least buy me dinner first. So my deconstruction started. Well, I don't know that it had a specific start date. It was just something I was kind of always doing. I was really embarrassed by Christianese i.e. the weird shit Christians would say and do. That was very embarrassing to me. And then I would go, well, you know, that doesn't 
feel like me. That doesn't feel like the God I know. And that doesn't feel like something I want to be a part of. But there was always a space for me growing up where I could ask questions and express doubts and I wouldn't be rejected because of it. In fact, I'd say questions were received with appreciation and with care. So I always felt safe to ask questions and to be myself, essentially. And so because of that, it always felt like my faith was my own. It wasn't something that I was just like, oh, yes, this sounds good. Here we go. It was more like I have a lot of questions and who's driving this flying umbrella. But I knew that the way that I interacted with my faith and expressed it was valued and that I was so loved. I always knew that, even though I like was very cynical about it and would like make fun of it. But I found out the hard way that that didn't necessarily transfer over to different faith settings. For example, TMI, uh, which is a interdenominational short-term missions trip organization based in Florida, um, Alberta Bible College, other places, I was often regarded with suspicion and distrust, and I never felt good enough. It felt like I was like, I needed to earn my place or something. It felt like everyone thought I was coming in just to be a shit disturber. And like, to an extent, that is true. But it that also hurt my feelings. <laughs> it hurt my feels because I'm a six on the Enneagram. And so I'm disturbingly loyal to the group and to the cause. I just want to fight the cause first to make sure it's trustworthy and not exploitative. So that was a new experience for me. And it wasn't entirely comfortable. And I could feel other people's confusion around why I wasn't doing what was expected of me as far as being a Christian girl goes. Why did I swear so much? Why was I constantly kicking the shins of the authorities and everyone else around me? Why wasn't I nicer? Why was I so loud? Why did I enjoy bringing up things that made everyone else feel uncomfortable? Why didn't I have a boyfriend? Why wasn't I married? Why am I still not <laughs> married? Why didn't I want to have kids? It seemed to me that there wasn't room for me in the system of Christianity. And so that led me to think, okay, so if there's not room for me, then there's a whole bunch of people that there's not room for. And if there isn't room for them, then who is there room for? And it seemed to be a very narrow subset of people. And then I would be like, okay, well, who does Jesus say there's room for? And again and again, Jesus leaves the main group and goes to the people on the margins. We can see that all throughout the Bible, the parable of the wedding feast. He goes and gets a bunch of homeless people. He goes and dines with the tax collector, who everybody thinks is a real shithead. He hangs out with prostitutes and sex workers, sorry, politically correct. And then if you go through the Bible, it turns out the whole kingdom of God is like that. The whole thing. But it seemed present day that the various iterations of Christianity that I was experiencing were so far off the mark from who and what the person of Jesus is and what he stood for that I was starting to feel like I just couldn't make it match. There was like this cognitive dissonance that I couldn't um, realign. So there were things of healing and beauty in the church and there were things of destruction and decay. And it seemed like I couldn't ignore the healing thing. And I also could not ignore the, destructive, bad-smelling thing. So it started to seem morally incongruous to follow the teachings of Christ and to call myself a Christian. I felt like I could do one or the other. And then I feel like as politics and the world started to shift starting in the early 2000s and we had more access to information and could see what was happening worldwide and things started to become more polarized. And during that time, evangelicalism somehow became synonymous with 
hating gay people, distrusting science, voting conservative, being anti-choice and pro-birth, but not pro-child. We're only a fan of your child when it's in the womb. And then once it's out, fuck them, I guess. Loving guns and violence, but not caring for the poor or voting in a way that cares for the poor. And so that was when I really went, okay, hold the fuck up. So now I would call myself an ex-evangelical. I would never try to convince someone else that they should become a Christian because I don't know if I believe it's the best thing for them or if people will go to hell or even what hell is. I am completely sure where I stand on some theological issues and completely unsure of where I stand on others. I still, so the two things that I'm still like, yes, this is still my thing. I still believe in the resurrection and I still believe in the divine image. And so I more or less line up theologically with people like Richard Rohr, Ronald Rollheiser, N.T. Wright, Sarah Bessie, Nadia Bowles-Weber, and Rachel Held Evans, R.I.P. But there's still a lot of things I don't understand and a lot of things that I don't quote unquote toe the party line on. But I think ultimately I've just decided to live as if the most outrageous, gracious, subversive, crazy, compassionate version of Jesus and God is true. And if I'm not right, then I'm not right. But I'd rather live my whole life as if that's true than live my whole life believing that God is a homophobic, slightly racist, mediocre white dude in the clouds. Or that there's nothing out there at all, and we're just a random collection of atoms who just live our lives and then we die. That's depressing, and I can't buy into that, and I don't want to. If I'm delusional, then I'm delusional. Sometimes, so half of the time, I'm like, yes, the resurrection. This happened, and it matters. It's completely true, and always has been. And then the rest of the time, I think, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> am I also waiting to get my Hogwarts letter? And it's like, well, kind of, yeah, I am still waiting to get my Hogwarts letter, even though I know it's a fictional concept created by a transphobic baboon. But Kate, how do you feel about Jesus and God now? Um, I struggle. <laughs> Strugs to funk. I just struggle with the idea of church and where it's heading. Um, it's becoming often more clicky, more exclusive, and dare I say, more judgmental. Uh, to me, a community that does life together and yet judges so intensely isn't a community of love. A uh, community that says they love and serve but and will show up on Sundays and greet and smile and then talk about each other behind their backs, that's not love either. Yeah. <laughs> I've only ever experienced inequality within the church, and... The excuse of, well, we're all human and we all deserve forgiveness, but that doesn't mean that you get to act like a shithead and be disrespectful. Hey, man. Uh, I find it interesting that for years I sang songs about chains being broken while in the church. And then the moment I decided to claim my life for myself and leave Christianity was when the moment I felt truly free. Uh, like a weight had been lifted off of me and I felt like I could see clearly for the first time. Mm-hmm. I realized that I can decide what I believe. I don't have to follow something that just makes my friends and family happy. But I am still working on what my view of God is. Um, because it is so Christianese, and it's been a lifetime of that, I find it hard to separate. Mm -hmm. But I do believe in something. I just don't know what that something is yet. Yeah. And I'm kind of okay with this floating and... Um, there are so many things about Christianity that I love. I just can't take part in it until it's all okay. 
and I don't think it will ever all be okay. That, like, also confuses me because, like, I'm still participating in it. So I'm like, am I just okay with all the other shit the non-liberal Christians do? And I'm like, no. (laughs) No, I'm just like, Megan, what is your deal? And I don't know the answer. (laughs) Anyways, back to you. No, I was going to say, I actually talked to a lot of people that say a similar thing. And I think I kind of did that for a while, and it just never felt right. As things stand now, I go to a, I found like a little haven of, uh, I guess we would call ourselves like kind of matches the like new monasticism theology. We're Baptists, technically, but don't just- tell the Baptists. <laughs> We have told the Baptists and they are pissed, <laughs> let me tell you. So it's just like a little enclave of like half the congregation is gay. That's why it's called a congregation. <laughs> <laughs> we we also have a lot of trans people that go to our church. We have a little fridge outside. And so anyone in the neighborhood can go to the fridge and get food when they when they need it. So it's called the common cupboard. And a lot of people do use it which is really great. And then we have this community garden that we do. So that's kind of where I am at now. If I didn't go to Awaken, I would not go to church. I don't think. Unless I like went to a united church. I don't know. I just like Awaken so much and it feels so much like family and like home that I just feel like if there was something to happen where I couldn't go to Awaken, I just don't think that I would. I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. We're good here. (laughs) So that's kind of how we got to where we are now. So thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. But please be nice because otherwise we'll cry. (laughs) If you have questions or you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at showbizbabypodcast at gmail.com or contact us through our Instagram. At showbizpod. And remember... If you still haven't received your acceptance letter to Hogwarts, well, that's showbiz, baby.